Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Did you know there were more mass shootings under Barack Obama than Donald Trump? In fact, you might say, well, Obama had eight years. There was a huge spike in mass murders when Barack Obama was president of the United States. According to Truth Stream Media, and I'm looking at a piece here from uh, Israel News, of all places, and they're looking at the statistics, and of course you can look at statistics in, in different ways, and they try to look at it as unbiased as they can. And uh, this is calculated, a mass murder is an incident with eight or more deaths in a specific shooting. And they point out there were five during uh, Ronald Reagan's two terms. There were three during the one term of George H.W. Bush. Four during the two terms of Bill Clinton. Five during the two terms of George W. Bush. And 18 during the two terms of Barack Obama. 18. I didn't make this up. 18. The uh, Truth Stream, the National Affairs uh, magazine, 24 of the deadliest mass shootings during the Obama administration, three times more than the two previous administrations and more than the three preceding administrations combined. And... They note, the article notes that the Obama administration was heavily criticized for not addressing the terrorist nature, specifically Islamist, of several of the attacks. Now, unfortunately, this does the people who were slaughtered over the weekend no damn good whatsoever, whether it's Chicago or El Paso or Dayton. But we now have to discuss these things, don't we? I think we do. And so the question is, why was there a jump in mass murders during the administration of Barack Obama? Why was there a jump of mass murders in the administration of Barack Obama? These statistics, I didn't invent them. They're out there. This article's out there. They're not mentioned anywhere. Why is that? By our great media. But something incredible happened today with a man who has multiple times taken an oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States, who was elected to the Senate, was it six times, I think? 
from the state of Delaware, who today came out against the Constitution of the United States. So one of the victims, then, of the slaughter that took place over the weekend is the Constitution, because Joe Biden is the leading Democrat for President of the United States on the Democrat side. And he just trashed the Constitution of the United States. If the Constitution of the United States, and you'll hear him in a minute, is a document of white supremacy, then what about the office of the presidency that Joe Biden seeks? This would be Joe Biden who just a few weeks ago had to apologize for working with white southern segregationists. And he was proud of it. The same Joe Biden who was for and then against and now for busing. So we're going to start with Joe Biden today because somebody wrote a speech for Joe Biden that is as vile and deplorable as any speech I've ever heard. And we're not going to start at the beginning. We'll get to it. I want to start at the part where he attacks your Constitution of the United States. Now, he does this because he believes that this will get him votes. He does this because he believes he'll be able to break away from the pack. So now running against the Constitution of the United States, running against the Founding Fathers, is popular in the Democrat Party. Let's begin. Cut eight. Go. American history is not a fairy tale. The battle for this soul of the nation has been a constant push and pull for 243 years between the American ideal that says we're all created equal and the harsh reality that racism has long torn us apart. The same document that promised to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity also allowed for slavery and the so-called three-fifths compromise that discounted the very humanity of black people in America at the time. The honest truth is both elements are part of the American character. At our best, the American ideal wins out But it's never a rout. It's always a fight. And it's a battle that is never fully finished. Go back to the beginning. Thomas Jefferson wrote what many believe to be the most important document, civil document in human history. But he was a slaveholder. We've never lived up to our American ideals. Jefferson himself didn't. But what he wrote has pulled us towards justice for more than two centuries, and it still does. This is the Marxist pablum that you get in every college and university that gives tenure to Marxists that our kids are hearing. This is a direct assault, not on the president, not on the present, but on the country. A direct assault on the country. 
The three-fifths vote, as I've talked about before, was a proposal by the North to limit the number of seats apportioned to the South because of slavery. The North didn't say that African Americans are three-fifths of a person as a moral imperative. The North said that for purposes of assigning House seats to the South, that slaves, that African Americans, will count as three-fifths. In other words, the North proposed that for the purpose of limiting and weakening the representation in the House of Representatives by the slave states. Joe Biden is not only an ignoramus, he's a horrific demagogue. And I've heard this three-fifths issue since I was in high school. And it was a lie. And I researched it and I studied it. And we know why it was proposed. We know who proposed it. We know why why they proposed it, as I said. The Constitution of the United States ends the importation of slavery, of slaves, 20 years after its adoption. Why didn't it end it immediately? Because there'd be no Constitution. Because Georgia and South Carolina threatened to walk out of the Constitutional Convention. There would have been no United States of America. There would have been no subsequent civil war eliminating slavery in the slave states and territories. None. When Joe Biden says we've been struggling with this issue for 243 years, he doesn't talk about any of the years, up to, including, and after the Civil War. Not once, because that would hurt his narrative. Joe Biden is no Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln revered the Founding Fathers. He admired the framers at the Constitutional Convention. He adored the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States. And as one of our greatest presidents, if not the greatest president, he fought for those documents, to underscore those documents and what those documents stood for. He talks about Thomas Jefferson, who owned slaves. Ladies and gentlemen, when you read about the great Athenian philosophers, Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, among others, these are republics that owned slaves. When you read about the great philosophers and statesmen during the Roman Empire like Cicero. There's an empire that owned slaves. When you look at the British Empire, even though it abolished slavery before the United States, it trafficked enslaved in slaves. It continued to export slaves to the United States of America. Our borders were broad and it was impossible to manage it. That's what they did. When you look over at the Middle East, Parts of Asia, parts of Africa today, they're still slaves. And slave owners. 
when you look at America, when you look at America, and when you have a man who's been vice president of the United States and a U.S. senator, under that constitution he now denounces, who's been on the public payroll and has gotten rich as a senator and vice president under the constitution he now denounces. It is incredible that he has no comprehension whatsoever of American history. In the first draft of the Declaration of Independence, there were several, ladies and gentlemen. Thomas Jefferson specifically addresses the slave issue. And he denounces Britain for attempting to impose and export slaves into the United States. He had to take it out of the Declaration, or there would have been no Declaration. And yet it is the Declaration of Independence that Abraham Lincoln waved around speech after speech when he was running for the Senate in Illinois, when he was running for president, and while he was president. That document and his defense of the Constitution of the United States. Those slave states wanted out of the Union. They voted to get out of the Union. They said the United States Constitution no longer applied to them. Why? Why did they do that? Because the Constitution itself is antithetical to slavery. Just as the modern progressive rejects the Declaration of Independence today, so did the slave states. They insisted it only applied to whites. But read it. It applies to every human being on the face of the earth. Lincoln knew that, and Lincoln said it over and over and over again. And Lincoln so admired these men, especially Jefferson, the author of the Declaration of Independence. And Lincoln, who did more for black people in this country than any other Democrat, then or since, than Joe Biden ever could, he would never talk about the founders this way, or the Declaration or the Constitution. And he was in a position to denounce them all, and he wouldn't. Instead, he waved them, and he read from them. He read from the Declaration of Independence. Jefferson, the primary author, based largely in the Virginia Declaration of Rights, George Mason, the primary author. And what Abraham Lincoln said was these men who met in Philadelphia under tremendous duress, whose lives were on the line, who would certainly hang if they lost the revolution, whose families would be torn asunder, whose farms would be taken over, these men met an Independence Hall in Philadelphia at the Second Continental Congress. And what did they do? They declared a declaration, independence from the most powerful military force on the face of the earth. Nobody expected them to win. And what did they declare? That every human being 
is a blessing of God with unalienable rights, not because of government, but because of who they are. And seven times in that document, they point to the Creator, to the divine, that every person has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But you say, what about the slaves? What did Abraham Lincoln say about that? I'll explain when I return. Mark Lovin. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. Abraham Lincoln in 1858. In the Founder's enlightened belief, nothing stamped with the divine, he's talking about the Declaration, nothing stamped with the divine image and likeness was sent into the world to be trodden on and degraded and imbued by its fellows. They grasped not only the whole race of man then living, but they reached forward and seized upon the Father's posterity. They erected a beacon to guide their children and their children's children and the countless myriads who should inhabit the earth in other ages. Wise statesmen as they were, they knew the tendency of prosperity to breed tyrants, Joe Biden. And so they established these great self-evident truths that when in the distant future some man, some faction, some interest should set up the doctrine that none but rich men or none but white men were entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, their posterity might look up again to the Declaration of Independence and take courage to renew the battle which their fathers began. Two years before the Civil War, he's saying those men wrote a declaration that they knew, they knew was incompatible with slavery. And they planted the seed of liberation. More when I return. You know, our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions, locked in the grip of political correctness. They no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. Now, as Hillsdale celebrates its 175th year, 
It remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, this is Hillsdale College. And let me add, I think so much of Hillsdale College. I donated an original copy of a compilation of the Federalist Papers, which sit today as I speak at the Kirby Center. Hillsdale College, America's College. Mark Levin, a champion of freedom. You know, you're one of the greatest champions of freedom in this country, if not in the English-speaking world, Mark. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. Before I go to my guest, John Lott, who is uh, indispensable in times like these, I have a question for Joe Biden. Do you reject the principles that are in the Declaration of Independence? Do you reject the principles? Do you reject the Constitution? What these men who you denounce put their lives on the line to create, do you reject them? Well, if you agree with Joe Biden that this federal edifice was built on the backs of slave owners, then why wouldn't you support burning it all down? You see, Joe Biden, as I think about this, has more in common with Klansmen and white nationalists and supremacists than Donald Trump ever could. In an odd way, they make the same argument that, that Biden does, not on behalf of African-Americans, of course, but they believe that this entire federal government is a federal edifice that's unconstitutional and there needs to be a revolution to destroy it. So Joe Biden really, in many ways, is marching hand in hand with the very people he claims to denounce. The progressive movement was built in part on rejecting the declaration in the Constitution, ladies and gentlemen. That's why so many of their leading intellectuals were Klansmen and white nationalists, like Woodrow Wilson, among others, among many others. So he is more in common with white nationalists and Klansmen than Donald Trump ever could. And he apparently rejects the principles that these men founded our nation on, 1776 and beyond. And so if Joe Biden's right, that this entire system is poisoned by founders who were slave owners. So why should we listen to the Supreme Court when it rules? It's an illegitimate court. Why should we listen to any court? The bureaucracy, for God's sakes, that's utterly illegitimate. Why do we care about Congress and what Congress has to say or the presidency? If the Constitution is poisoned by slaveholders, if the Declaration is poisoned by slaveholders, then why do we wish to muscle up and build further the institution that they created in the first place? So Joe Biden and the radical progressives, and I've made this argument before about the radical progressives, have much more in common with white supremacists and Klansmen 
than they'll ever admit. They come at it from a different angle, but they, they come to the same place. They reject republicanism. They reject the institutions created in the Constitution. They are constantly seeking to destroy them, to remake them, to amend the Constitution without amendments. They reject the very Declaration of Independence that is the heart and core and soul of this country. The radical progressives do, the Klansmen do, the neo-Nazis do, and now Joe Biden does. And after I speak to my wonderful guest, John Locke, I want to expand on this because I want you to hear again. This is the big news. The morons at CNN and MSNBC don't get it. We get it here. We know what's going on here. But it is an honor first to introduce John Locke, president of Crime Prevention Research Center. And you can go to crimeresearch.org, crimeresearch.org for true information, real facts. John Lott, this must weigh you down over a period of time uh, when we have these horrific mass murders under Democrat and Republican presidents. The response always seems to be the same. Republicans are to blame. The NRA is to blame. Now Fox News is to blame. Trump is a racist, and what we need is less guns, less Second Amendment, more government, and more political involvement. What do, what do you say now to people who say we need to ban assault weapons? First of all, what is, is there such a thing as an is a baseball bat an assault weapon? All right. Uh, well, thanks for having me on, Mark. Uh, I mean, I think you're getting to an important point there. It's pretty arbitrary. Uh, this is kind of a made-up term about, you know, 40 years ago, 35 years ago. And, and basically the key, you know, people talk about military style. Well, the key word there is really style. They're banning guns based on how they look rather than how they function. So you, ha- you can have a semi-automatic hunting rifle, uh, which fires the same bullets with the same rapidity, doing the same damage is a gun that looks like, let's say, an M16, but it's not a weapon that militaries around the world would use. The inside guts of it, what civilians have, is the same as, exactly the same as any small caliber uh, semi-automatic hunting rifle. Most guns in the United States, the vast majority of them that people own, are semi-automatic guns. And you know, if they you have some Democrats starting to talk about banning all semi-automatic guns, at least one could say that's a more logical thing in terms of it having an effect. I don't think it would have the effect that they think it will. But, um, you know, to go and ban some guns based on their look when there are other guns that function exactly the same way, uh, you know, what do you expect? In fact, if you look at the original assault weapons ban, uh, what Senator Feinstein and her staff did was they got a hold of catalogs of guns and flipped through the pages and essentially marked off a list of names of different guns based on how they look rather than, you know, seeming to understand at all uh, whether they functioned any differently from the guns that they didn't collect the names for. Lots of references, John Locke, to the uh, assault gun ban that was in it, I guess, in 2004, and that apparently reduced uh, murders, they say. Now that it's been removed, uh, murders have spiked. What, what statistical information, actual factual information, do you have on this? 
Right. Well, it's not just me. I mean, there are lots of academics that have looked at this. Even, even people that were paid for by the Clinton administration couldn't find any beneficial impact uh, from this law. Uh, and it's, you know, you can look at the crime rates after uh, the ban was removed. And you have two different states. You have those that had their own state laws, and you had those where the law changed when the federal law sunset. And you would think if they're right, you should have seen uh, an increase in murder or crime in the states where it was being relaxed relative to the other states which weren't changing their rules. And in fact, you saw the opposite. There was some small drop that you saw in the states where uh, the assault weapons ban was being ended versus the ones where it continued. You've been hearing now, John Lott, as we all have, about the red flag uh, proposal, which is basically, well, what is it? You tell me what you think it is. Right. Well, I, first of all, let's tell you what it's not. A lot of people, even the president, when he was talking about these things on Monday, was we're talking about mental health. The red flag laws, virtually none of them, have nothing to do with mental health, really. Uh, in fact, only there are 17 states that have this law now. Only one of them even mentions the term mental health in it. The basic notion is uh, they're trying to predict whether somebody will commit a crime uh, or harm themselves. And, uh, you know, I suppose the best way I could describe it is think of the old Tom Cruise movie, Minority Report. It's where they're having future crime division trying to predict crime. Only at least Tom Cruise had psychics to try to go and help him out. I uh, was involved for a while with the State Uniform Law Commission, which was tasked with thinking about putting together a model uh, red flag law for states to adopt. And we had people come in who were running uh, those programs in the states that had them. And it was kind of scary to some extent. I mean, they would talk about what they would look for and try to decide whether or not somebody would commit a crime. So they'd say, well, they'd look at their past criminal record. They'd look at the age. Young people would be more likely to commit crime than older people. Uh, men would be more likely to commit crime than women. Uh, nobody mentioned race in there. Uh, you know, I listening to this stuff, and I'm thinking, well, maybe we should add an amendment to these bills that would say uh, they shall not be used to discriminate on the basis of race, age, or gender. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's uh, uh, the you already have all the laws on the books to do what people talk about saying. So the states have what's called a Baker Act. If you think that somebody may be mentally troubled and may harm themselves or somebody else, you can very quickly have a 72-hour psychiatric hold on them to have them evaluated. And there's a relatively low standard. Just to, You would understand this. It's just a reasonableness standard, which is not much more than a hunch that there could be a problem that's there. What they want to try to do with the um, uh, red flag laws is to get rid of some of the restrictions that exist with regard to something like the Baker Act. So the Baker Act, you have psychiatric experts evaluate the person and make a decision. Well, in red flag laws, there are no psychiatric experts that are involved there. What you have, there are two stages that you have. The first stage, you have a complaint, and it varies across states. Some states uh, you know, friends can do it, some states' relatives or police, or and like Colorado, which recently passed its law, anybody could essentially put a complaint in. 
And the first stage involves the judge looking at basically a piece of paper that summarizes the complaint that's there and without any witnesses. In other words, like the FISA court without the secrecy. Yeah, right. In other words, it's kind of a one-way court. Go ahead. Right. And and then for a period of two weeks to a month, depending upon what state, uh, you know, they'll go in maybe at 5 a.m. in the morning or something and take away somebody's guns. And then uh, they are required to have a hearing either within two weeks or three weeks or a month. And at that point, then they'll have, uh, you know, kind of a normal hearing. The problem even at that stage is that there's no legal representation automatically provided to the person who's in trouble here. Uh, the prosecutors essentially act as lawyers for the person making the complaint. And in a, uh, about a third of these cases are overturned at that point. Uh, but even in the remaining two-thirds, All right. uh, in, in a large portion, they don't have any legal representation. What What is meant by... The um, we want more extensive background checks. I mean, I have five weapons. Every time at an FBI background check, uh, I, what are they talking about exactly? I'm not sure. Okay, what they're talking about is background checks on the private transfers of guns. So they're saying, you know, if if you and I met and I sold you a gun, uh, if there's a background check on the private transfers, we'd have to go to a licensed dealer, have them do. It. A background check. So if we were in Washington D.C. and transferred it, I'd have to pay $125 to the to the licensed dealer, and he would do the uh, the next background check at that point. Tell me, how many mass murders? How many mass murders have been conducted by people who've purchased weapons that way? Zero. You know, there's been none this century. Not zero. Single one. Right. Zero. And I'm glad you asked that because. Democrats posture, I mean, all these things, they posture, they're the ones who want to try to do something. Well, the thing is, what good is it if the things they propose have absolutely nothing to do with the attacks? I wish somebody like Jake Tapper, when he's going through the nine presidential candidates on Sunday, and they all, the first one that they bring up is these background checks on private transfers of guns, he would have asked one of them, well, can you name me one shooting this century that it would have made a difference? And let me ask you this, John Locke, the vast majority of guns, is that how they're purchased? Uh, yeah, the vast majority of guns are are purchased through uh, licensed dealers where you, right, have, where you have a background check. check. Right. And so uh, they really haven't come up with solutions, quote-unquote, to this. I mean, why why is it, do you think? I understand why politicians peddle this stuff, but why is it, do you think, that so many people were told suburban women feel more comfortable when Congress gets involved and passes a law. Right. Well, I think there's a reason why the Democrats and the gun control people push these laws, like this background check on private transfers. And I've changed my mind over time on what they're doing. I've come to the view that they just want to make it costly for people to have guns. So take Washington, D.C. So it costs $125 for me to transfer one gun to you. That may not stop you or I, but the people that I find who benefit the most from owning guns, the people who are most likely to be victims of violent crime, poor blacks who live in high-crime urban areas, that may make a difference. But just to give you an idea of how nutsy this is, let's say I were to sell you four guns. You would think I'm selling them all to Mark. It should just be one background check. It's one guy who's getting it. No, what they do in these different states is that each gun 
has a separate background check. So rather than paying $125... All right, I've got one minute. So we have these two mass murders. Now we have proposals that people should only be able to buy guns when they're over 21. One was 21, or when they're 21 or over. One was 21 and one was 24. So that wouldn't affect that. Right. Well, it wouldn't affect most of these things. So it wouldn't affect most. The background checks would affect almost none of them. Would affect none. And now they're actually talking. They're out of the closet talking about confiscating weapons. Right. Confiscating weapons. And this is where they were always headed, isn't it, John Lott? We have 30 seconds. Well, well, I mean, they've confiscated weapons in California and Chicago and New York. I mean, this has already happened in parts of the United States that are there. That's Mm -hmm. one reason why a lot of people are concerned about them using... John Lott, president of Crime Prevention Research Center. Go to crimeresearch.org. This man is an encyclopedia. He's brilliant, and he's He's wonderful to give us his time. I'm sorry, John. I'm up against it. God bless you. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arn argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And a new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings that will help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course, Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, you'll learn how to confront the chief obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Aristotle presents a guide for securing a virtuous life. And if you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. You can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. how significant what Joe Biden said is his hostility towards his own country and he's now out of the closet somebody wrote him a speech and he read it but it came out of his mouth and we're going to continue on this next hour and I hope you'll continue listening and get your friends and neighbors to listen to because this is vitally important vitally important This is the rubber that hits the road. And you heard from John Lott, and he's right. Every single thing being proposed would not have affected any mass murder that took place over the weekend. And some of them are so crazy, it wouldn't have affected any mass murder that's occurred in the last century. Right? So what's the point? point is to take weapons from or make it more difficult for innocent law-abiding Americans not evil lawless individuals I believe tonight's show and I'm not patting myself on the back is crucially important stick with us there's a great deal more to get to a great deal more to get to and I'll be right back He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, 
deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. This email's from a friend. I had my firearm taken from me under red flag in California. I went through a bitter divorce. My ex-husband said to his lawyer that he was afraid of me, that I had a weapon, and that I was dangerous. And they tried to claim I was as gun-wielding crazy. And so they succeeded in taking my weapon. Now, I eventually got it back a year later from the LAPD. But he was convicted of extortion and blackmail. But it took over a year to finally get my gun back. I think this is the fear, ladies and gentlemen. This is the email I just received. This is the fear. I want to get back to this issue of Joe Biden and what he had to say today. And if you didn't hear the first hour, I hope you'll go back and listen to it on our podcast. But I want to play it again. Not to go over the same ground, but to go over new ground in relation to what he said. So cut eight, Mr. Producer, go. American history is not a fairy tale. The battle for this soul of the nation has been a constant push and pull for 243 years between the American ideal that says we're all created equal and the harsh reality that racism has long torn us apart. The same document that promised to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity also allowed for slavery and the so-called three-fifths compromise that discounted the very humanity of black people in America at the time. The honest truth is, both elements are part of the American character. At our best, the American ideal wins out. But it's never a rout. It's always a fight. And it's a battle that is never fully finished. Go back to the beginning. Thomas Jefferson wrote what many believe to be the most important document, civil document in human history. Notice he doesn't say what I believe to be. He says what many believe to be. Another dead giveaway. Go ahead. But he was a slaveholder. We've never lived up to our American ideals. Jefferson himself didn't. But what he wrote. All right, that's enough. We never lived up to our American ideal. Did we not just celebrate D-Day, Mr. Producer? Did we not celebrate D-Day? Did we not celebrate the anniversary of Iwo Jima? Did we not celebrate the defeat of the Third Reich? And the opening of those concentration camps. So many men and women have died on battlefields all over the world 
and on battlefields all over our country for liberty. This country has never fought a war for slavery. You can talk about the Confederacy. That was a breakaway region. We have never fought wars for tyranny. We've always fought wars for justice and liberty. Joe Biden has no connection with the heart and soul of this country. He's a manufactured politician. One day he's against abortion. One day he's for it. One day he's for busing. One day he's against it. One day he's a moderate. Next day he's a leftist. He's a man with a very low intelligence level who's had to lie his way through school. And now he wants to lie his way through an election. How dare he compare himself to any of the founders? He knows nothing about Thomas Jefferson. Nothing. George Mason, who, as I said, wrote the Virginia Declaration of Rights about a month before the Declaration of Independence, some of which was barred by Jefferson, all of which was barred by John, from John Locke. He ultimately voted against the Constitution at the Constitutional Convention for two reasons, he said. Number one, we need a Bill of Rights. And number two, we needed to eliminate slavery. George Mason owned slaves. Civil wars fought. Not that much later. A civil wars fought. The nation is torn apart. The brutality is unbelievable. The casualties are unheard of. One battle after another. Where tens of thousands of men died in a six or seven or ten hour period. You talk about mass slaughter and mass shootings. Then comes the progressive movement shortly after the Civil War. Into the late 1800s reaches its intellectual apex 1890-1900-1910. And among other things, it was a racist movement, in my view. That's why Woodrow Wilson was one of its key intellects. Woodrow Wilson would resegregate the military and the civil service. He was a racist and a segregationist, a real one. But he was also a great progressive, quote-unquote. He's never condemned Woodrow Wilson rejected the Declaration of Independence and he rejected the Constitution because you cannot advance a progressive agenda without trashing the American history and that's the point. If you abandon the moorings of the Constitution and the Declaration then you have a clean slate. Then you can remake society. You can fundamentally transform it. They view the Constitution as a burden 
They view the Declaration as a burden. What's all this nonsense about unalienable rights for every single individual? We're talking about group rights. We're talking about the government conferring rights. You know, the right to health care, as Bernie Sanders likes to say. That's a human right. No, liberty is a human right. That's a human right. Liberty. Very few wars have been fought over health care. Have they, Mr. Producer? I know of none. I know of none. So we are now to abandon the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and their principles. Is that what we're supposed to do because Joe Biden says so? Now I go to Liberty Interior. By the way, unfreedom of the press, the New York Times is forced to announce will be on its bestseller list 11 weeks in a row. One more week, it's three months in a row. This is the biggest conservative book of the year. It's the biggest Simon & Schuster book of the year, but you wouldn't know it. You would, but nobody else would. We're on our way to half a million units sold, e-books, hardcover, and so forth. But the silence is there because it, the subject is the media. The media. The media which has brought us to this point. I love it when I hear we really need to tone things down. You know, the president, his comments, have you listened to the Scarborough show? Have you listened to Don Lemon? Have you listened to any of these pathetic backbencher third-tier programs? The vicious poison, vile name-calling, the hate that is spewed? Have you listened to any of this stuff? They take no responsibility themselves for the rise of violence. For the divisions in this country, the media take no responsibility at all. I'm here to tell you that maybe they're the main reason the country is where it is today. Maybe they're the main reason. Scarborough and Brzezinski. Chris Hayes and Matthews and the rest of the reprobates. Jake Tapper and so forth. Maybe that's why we're here. Have you thought about that? Well, I have. And tell me, if the framers of the Constitution, these slave owners, if they're to be rejected, then why aren't their creations to be rejected? So why is it that we want a more and more powerful federal government? They created the federal government. There was no federal government. For all intents and purposes, the Constitution creates, among other things, it creates the federal government. It creates the Supreme Court. So why should we listen to the Supreme Court? It creates Congress. So what do we give a damn about Congress? It creates the White House and the President. So why should we care about that? Maybe we should all be anarchists now, right, Joe? But Joe Biden, listen clearly, Mediaite, Media Matters, the whole world, take it down. As more in common with white supremacists and Klansmen than he even knows. Because his attack on the Declaration, his attack on the Constitution... And his attack on the men that wrote them, adopted them, his attack is similar to the attack of the white supremacists and the KKK, which seek to undermine the very founding of this nation. You read the Declaration of Independence. It's not some people think, Joe. It is the greatest document in my view, 
of human liberty ever written. And so if you're a Klansman, you're a neo-Nazi. If you're a communist or a fascist, you reject the Declaration of Independence because it talks about the individual, not the collective, not the centralized, not the uniform. doesn't talk about conformity. talks about the individual, God-given, divine, creator. Which is exactly why the intellectuals in the early part of the last century, in the latter part of the century before, attacked it and attacked the Constitution. And Joe Biden is no different. He's no different at all. They want to remake America. These fools, these demagogues, these propagandists, and their rhetoric about our history, their rhetoric about these documents we revere, and the smearing of the men and women who put everything on the line to bring us to this point. You don't think that creates hate and animosity and division? It certainly does. Woodrow Wilson was a racist and a segregationist. Franklin Roosevelt was an anti-Semite. These are two big deal Democrats. The New York Times covered up the Holocaust. That's their main newspaper. That's their main newspaper. Democrat governors blocked schoolhouse doors so little black kids couldn't go to school with little white kids. Republicans didn't do that. The first Civil Rights Acts were passed immediately after the Civil War by Republicans in Congress. Civil Rights Acts were passed in the 1950s by a Republican president pushing them, Dwight Eisenhower. Didn't begin with Kennedy and Johnson. And every time you look at the advancement of liberty and opposition to slavery and segregation in Jim Crow, it was led and supported by Republicans. But now what's happened is the progressives now define civil rights, civil liberties, and progress through their ideology, which is the opposite of all. You now have a man who was vice president of the United States running against his country's founding. So much in in common with the people he claims to denounce. Which is why when push came to shove and he was a United States senator in 1975 and 76, he took both sides of the busing issue. Both sides. Which is why he could easily work with segregationists. Because he's a fraud. And he's a danger. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day. Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. 
Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. You look at the leaders of the progressive movement. Margaret Sanger, an an advocate of uh, the eugenics movement. An an active leader. And uh, a big fan was the the clan of Margaret Sanger. The head of, uh, she founded Planned Parenthood. You look at the talk of these left-wing Democrats running for president, going on and on, screaming at the top of their lungs about separating children from their parents. They don't even know if they're being separated from their parents or coyotes. The same people who demand abortion on demand, even one second before the baby's born, even after the baby's born, post-birth abortion. They claim to care about kids. They claim to care about the people who were slaughtered over the weekend. They don't even talk about the people who were slaughtered over the weekend. They're stuck on the word Trump and the word racist because that's their narrative. Then they wonder why people are angry. Then they wonder why the country's divided. Since before this man was actually elected, they wanted to keep him from office. He gets into office. They want to remove him from office. One phony scandal after another. The media serving the interests of the radical progressives in the Democrat Party. And in fact, most times paving their way. When I was on Hannity last night, I was reading right out of Unfreedom of the Press. Name after name after name after name of Democrats who work in the media and media types who worked in the Obama administration. The media completely poisoned with politics. And now we have the vice president, former vice president of the United States, trashing Jefferson, the declaration in the Constitution. He's apparently running on the anti-slavery platform. Well, that was already done. That was Abraham Lincoln, you clown. And you couldn't hold Abraham Lincoln's cane. Then he accuses Trump of being everything but a white supremacist. Then he lies about what took place in Charlottesville, what came out of Trump's mouth. We've gone over that. He lies. He talks about inflaming white supremacy. Fan the flames of white supremacy. How so? He's denounced it time and time again. How many times has Joe Biden denounced it? Less than Trump? Tell me in his long career on the government payroll. Sucking from the public you-know-what. What exactly did Joe Biden do to fight the Klan and the neo-Nazis and white supremacy? What did he do? I believe he voted for Robert Byrd to be the majority leader. Excuse me. But what did the man do? Didn't do a damn thing. I'll be right back.
If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add, but this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve, and subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. Call the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. Joe Biden has done this nation a great favor, but he didn't mean to. He now identifies with the anarchists of the far left and the far right with his attack on the Declaration and the Constitution. And I would strongly suggest, strongly, that the president and his political team among other things, when they run against Biden or somebody like him, that they make it clear that they are standing for the Declaration and Constitution, and Joe Biden has just waged war against both. And Joe Biden is actually standing in the footsteps of Woodrow Wilson, a well-known segregationist and white nationalist. Woodrow Wilson, on 1907, on the 4th of July, then president of Princeton University, stated in part, it is common to think of the Declaration of Independence as a highly speculative document, but no one can think of it so who has read it. It's a strong rhetorical statement of grievances against the English government. It does indeed open with the assertion that all men are equal and that they have certain unalienable rights, among them right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It asserts that governments were instituted to secure these rights and can derive their just powers only from the consent of the governed. And it solemnly declares that whenever any government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and institute a new government, laying its foundations in such principles and organizing its powers in such forms as to them shall seem most likely to effect their safety and happiness. But, writes Woodrow Wilson, this would not afford a general theory of government to formulate policies upon. No doubt we are meant to have liberty, but each generation must form its own conception of what liberty is. Get it? No doubt we shall always wish to be given leave to pursue happiness as we will, but we are not yet sure where or by what method we shall find it. That we are free to adjust government to these ends, we know. But Mr. Jefferson and his colleagues in the Continental Congress prescribed the law of adjustment for no generation but their own. 
They left us to say whether we thought the government they had set up was founded on such principles, its powers organized in such forms, as seemed to us most likely to affect our safety and happiness. They did not attempt to dictate the aims and objects of any generation but their own. See, it's a complete rewriting of the Declaration in history. This is exactly what Biden is doing. Because the person who wrote this speech is a radical ideologue, and now Biden is. Wilson added, so far as the Declaration of Independence was a theoretical document, that is its theory. Do we still hold it? Does the doctrine of the Declaration of Independence still live in our principles of action, in the things we do, in the purposes we applaud, and the measures we approve? It is not a question of piety. We are not bound to adhere to the documents held by the signers of the Declaration of Independence. We're as free as they were to make and unmake government. We're not here to worship men or a document, but neither are we here to indulge in a mere rhetorical and uncritical eulogy. Every 4th of July should be a time for examining our standards, our purposes, for determining afresh what principles, what forms of power we think most likely to affect our safety and happiness. That and that alone, writes Wilson, is the obligation the Declaration lays upon us. It is no fetish. Its words lay no compulsion upon the thought of any free man, but it was drawn by men who thought, and it and obliges those to receive its benefit to think likewise. And he gave speeches like this all the time. Now, the great Calvin Coolidge, 20 years later, on July 5th, 1926, at Independence Hall in Philadelphia, he said this. The American Revolution presented the informed and mature convictions of a great mass of independent, liberty-loving, God-fearing people who knew their rights and possessed the courage to dare to maintain them. The Continental Congress was not only composed of great men, but it represented a great people. While its members did not fail to exercise a remarkable leadership, they were equally observant of of their representative capacity. They were industrious in encouraging their constituents to instruct them to support independence. But until such instructions were given, they were inclined to withhold action. A spring will cease to flow if its source be dried up. A tree will wither if its roots be destroyed. And its main features, the Declaration of Independence, is a great spiritual document. It is a document not of material but of spiritual conceptions. Equality, liberty, popular sovereignty, the rights of man... These are not elements which can be, you can see or touch. They are ideals. They have their source and their roots in the religious convictions. They belong to the unseen world. Unless the faith of the American people in these religious convictions is to endure, the principles of the Declaration will perish. We cannot continue to enjoy the result if we neglect and abandon the cause. You can see Coolidge is specifically countering Wilson. About the Declaration, there is finality that is exceedingly restful. It is often asserted that the world has made a great deal of progress since 1776, that we have had new thoughts and new experiences which have given us a great advance over the people of that day, and that we may therefore very well discard their conclusions for something more modern. But that reasoning cannot be applied to the Great Charter. If all men are created equal, that is final. If they are endowed with inalienable rights, that is final. 
If governments derive their just power from the consent of the governed, that is final. No advance, no progress can be made beyond these propositions. And if anyone wishes to deny their truth or their soundness, the only direction in which he can proceed historically is not forward, but backward toward the time when there was no equality, no rights of the individual, no rule of the people. Those who wish to proceed in that direction cannot lay claim to progress. He's attacking the progressives. They are reactionary. Their ideas are not more modern, but more ancient than those of the revolutionary fathers. So Joe Biden casts his lot Woodrow Wilson. A segregationist, a racist, a white nationalist. Today he threw his lot in with Woodrow Wilson. With Woodrow Wilson. While he claims to condemn white supremacists. I see nothing in the history of Joe Biden. In all his decades in the where he was a leader taking on the neo-Nazis and the Klan and the white supremacists. He's remembered as a man who tried to destroy Clarence Thomas, among others, and little more. Tone it down, they tell us in the media. Tone it down while they celebrate Sherrod Brown and his outrageous comments and Joe Biden and his outrageous comments and Cory Booker and Elizabeth Warren, and Bernie Sanders. These are people on the fringes of politics, to tell you the truth. And as MSNBC and CNN bring in people on the fringes of our society, ideologically, as hosts, as reporters, as contributors, to repeat virtually exactly what the Democrats are saying. Pretty damn incredible what's taking place in this country. And yet it's all sadly predictable. All sadly predictable. With the propaganda machine that is the modern day media. And the Democrat Party, which has been fully and completely radicalized. It looks nothing like it did 40 or 50 years ago. Nothing. That's the state of play. That's where we are. And people need to remember that Joe Biden today, mark this day, announced that he's running against the American founding. He's running against the Declaration of Independence and the principles set forth in that declaration. They go back throughout human history. That he's running against the Constitution. Nothing more than a document written by slaveholders. When in fact the vast majority was not written by slaveholders. But we'll stipulate just for him. So the Constitution's out, the Declaration's out, ladies and gentlemen. That's the leading candidate in the Democrat Party for President of the United States. That's the best he can do. That's the best he can do. Well, let me tell you a little secret. Joe Biden has, contribu- has not contributed to one ounce of liberty in this country. To one ounce of life in this country. 
to one ounce of happiness in this country. He's been a backbencher politician for virtually his entire career. What exactly has Joe Biden done to improve this country in any significant way? Civil rights, race relations, our economic system, our border, our national security, our military, local law enforcement, nothing. What does he have to show for nearly half a century on the government payroll? Nothing. And now he wants to be president of the United States by running against Thomas Jefferson, the founders of the country, the Declaration and the Constitution. And he says Trump is inciting the people. When you watch the media tonight, it's full of invective where they're inciting the people. It is Joe Biden who sounds like the racist tonight. It is Joe Biden who sounds like the segregationist tonight. It is Joe Biden who sounds like Woodrow Wilson tonight. Not Abraham Lincoln, that's for, for damn sure. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. With the daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. Concerned about the rise of hate groups? Well, I'm not just talking about, you know, the Klan and the neo-Nazis and so forth, of course. How about Antifa? Does that worry him? Black Lives Matter? Does that worry him? No, it doesn't. He cheers them on, as a matter of fact, as do most of the media. But the worst perpetrator, I think, of all of them is Joe Scarborough. This is a man filled with stupidity. He is emotionally obsessed and unhinged. I don't know if it's due to Mika Brzezinski, the daughter of his big new Brzezinski. Uh, he was a real loser. But he is he is an obsessed, hateful, vile individual. Broadcasting out of Jupiter, Florida, with his phony background behind him. You know, when I broadcast from Florida, I tell you, that he thinks his audience is so stupid they have these pretend backgrounds of the White House and the Capitol building. 
Did you know on average it takes police 45 minutes to respond to a home security alarm? Almost an hour. And when a home security system is triggered, a lot of the time, you know, you assume it's a false alarm and the call goes to the bottom of the list. Many of the times it is. But not with Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe has video verification technology. Now that helps police get on the scene up to 3.5 times faster. Simply Safe can visually confirm that a break-in is happening and let the police know, making their average police response time just 7 minutes. Simply Safe also protects every door, window, and room with 24-7 professional monitoring. They make it easy on you. There's no contract, hidden fees, or fine print. It's won a ton of awards from CNET to the New York Times wire cutter. Prices are always fair and honest. Around the clock monitoring starts at just 15 bucks a month. And for you, my listeners, Simply Safe has a huge deal going on right now. Go to simplysafemark.com, get free shipping and a money back guarantee. Simplysafemark.com, go there today. Don't forget this Saturday, only a few days away, August 10th. Join me in WABC at Bark in the Park at Overpeck Park in Ridgefield Park, New Jersey. Wow, that's a mouthful. It'll be a great day for the whole family and your dogs as as we celebrate man's best friend with vendors and food trucks and exhibitors and more. We always have a magnificent time. Bergen County Animal Shelter will be on site with adoptions available, and that's the real reason we're there, isn't it? You can get more information at wabcradio.com, wabcradio.com. Again, this Saturday, August 10th, 11 a.m., rain or shine. Over Peck Park, Ridgefield Park, New Jersey. Will you join me, Levinites? I'd love to see you. As I say, we always have a wonderful, wonderful time. And I just want to remind you, the folks over there at the New York Times, Maggie Haberman, and the other losers, I mean uh, journalists, and over there at the op-ed page, the Holocaust-denying New York Times, I'm sure they're very upset in the book unit at the New York Times to keep having to print Unfreedom of the Press by author Mark R. Levin, conservative radio host, on their New York Times bestseller list. But you're forcing them to do it because you keep buying the book. Yes, I'm here to announce to you uh, that it has been told to us that it is on the top hardcover nonfiction bestseller New York Times list for the 11th week in a row. 11th week in a row. And so if we get it one more week, by my calculation, Mr. Producer, that's three months. But I don't have to worry. I can count on my Levinites out there. I know you're spreading the word. And much of your hearing today, this racism stuff and all, it's coming out of the media. And the media cherry-picked their guests, the most radical Democrats they can, and professors, oh, and the experts. And they're pushing their agenda. Try and get Trump destroyed. Try and destroy the Second Amendment. While undermining the First Amendment. And it goes on and on and on. So if you really want to send them a signal. And you really want to be informed like nobody else. I would continue to acquire your unfreedom of the press. Those of you who haven't. I want to, you know, prod you that now would be a great time to do it. It's still 40% off. $16.80. It is the number one conservative book in America for 2019. It's not even close. 
It's the number one selling book for the entire publishing empire of Simon & Schuster. And uh, and you notice there's some outlets out there, liberal, modern, and conservative, that pretend it doesn't even exist. But it shows you how inconsequential they are. Whether they're TV hosts or radio hosts or websites or news outlets, they don't matter. You matter. You and I, we have a special bond. We love this country, and we're going to engage, and we're not going to give it up so easily. We're not going to give it up so easily. But if you want to know why the Declaration of Independence isn't properly taught in school, if you want to know why the Constitution isn't properly taught in school, if you want to know why when you send your kids into public schools these days and colleges and universities, they come out, many of them, not all, but many of them, hating America, just listen to Joe Biden today. Listen to Joe Biden today. Trashing his country. Dismissing the founders as the slaveholders. Nothing they did was consequential. Nothing they did mattered. This is a man who served in the government they created his entire life. Never even created a widget. I'll be right back. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. You know, this is why when people in this medium of media, even among conservative talk show hosts, dismiss ideas and principles and just, uh, you know, go to websites and pick off stories and everything, this is why they do you a great disservice. If you've been listening to this program, I think you're now armed with facts, with history, with logic, with reason, with philosophy. And now you know more than everybody else on cable TV, on network TV, and in radio. More about history, more about the tactics that are underway here. And now more about Joe Biden. And out of these discussions you and I have, and digging into history and applying it to current events and so forth, the President of the United States has a very, very powerful weapon in running against Joe Biden if he's the nominee. That Joe Biden is the candidate who is anti-declaration and anti-constitution. He rejects the founding fathers. Now he'll say, no, 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 I reject slavery. No, no, no. You reject what's in the Declaration of Independence. You reject what's in the Constitution. You're an anarchist. You're every bit as much an anarchist as the radical Marxists and fascists, the white supremacists, the Antifas. And you've been in this government for half a century. You just told us that this government was founded by slaveholders, that the Declaration of Independence was, was drafted, at least initially, by a slaveholder. Therefore, we're to reject everything that they've done, including what exists. It's one of the reasons we're required to pay reparations, they say. Can you imagine? It's 2019 and we're debating slavery and reparations, ladies and gentlemen. 
There's a reason for this. Because the Democrat Party wants to rile up its base. Because the Democrat Party has decided who its constituent groups are. And they want to get people angry. And they want to get people turning on each other. And they want to get people to vote. So it's the opposite of what they say. That they're the rational people. The compassionate people. They are destructive. They are balkanizing this nation. Tribalizing this nation. And they're using Donald Trump the way Saul Linsky would. To personalize their attacks. To change the narrative. To own the narrative. It's Cory Booker who's the racist. Listen to the man. It's Bernie Sanders who's the racist. Listen to the man. It's Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren. Who spends most of her life. Getting jobs by claiming that she's a Native American. Incredible. It is they who play the race card. It is they who, do, who reject uh, harmony and unity. The president's language, you know the president's language. Have you heard the language on CNN and MSNBC? And by the way, my brothers and sisters, my colleagues at Fox, you should thank me very, very much that I'm your colleague. Because there's a couple of people over there who I'd be eviscerating behind this microphone right now but for the fact that I can't. But what do I know? Frank Figlu... I don't know. F-I-G-L-I-U-Z-Z-I. Figluizzi? He's an MSNBC analyst. That means he's paid to be on MSNBC. He's paid to be on MSNBC. So they like him. I want you to listen to this nut. Cut 11, go. We have to understand the adversary and the threat we're dealing with. And if we don't understand how they think... So you see, Trump is the adversary and he's the threat that we're dealing with. Got it? Go ahead. ...understand how to counter them. So it's the little things and language and messaging that matters. The president said that we will fly our flags at half-mast until August 8th. That's 8-8. Now, I'm not going to imply that he did this deliberately, but I am an example of the ignorance of the adversary that's being demonstrated by the White House. The numbers 8-8 are very significant in neo-Nazi and white supremacy movement. Why? Because the letter H is the eighth letter of the alphabet. And to them, the numbers 8-8 together stand for Heil Hitler. So we're going to be raising the flag back up. Uh, at dusk on 8-8. No one's thinking about this. No one's, no one's giving him the advice or he's rejecting the advice. So understand your adversary to counter the adversary. I'm speechless, Mr. Producer. 8-8? And so we're lowering the flag on 8-8? And that's a signal to the neo-Nazis? Hi, Hitler? president doesn't mean to be doing it, but he's doing it nonetheless. This is a paid analyst, an analyst on a news station called MSNBC. Then on MSNBC, there's a guy by the name of Craig Melvin, a deep back mentor. He's supposed to be a news anchor. 
Now listen to him. Cut 10, go. Do, do you think that this is a president who is incapable of empathy or showing empathy? Or do you think that this is a president who is consistently unwilling to do that? Uh, both, probably. Do you think he's incapable or do you think he's just unwilling? How sweet the sound. There's a man singing Amazing Grace um, to the country in the wake of a mass shooting. When you compare President Obama's response to these horrible acts of violence, whether Charleston, whether in Sandy Hook, and then you compare this president's response, John, is it that this current president is incapable of it, or is it that he's unwilling it's to do it? It's the third time he's asked the same question because he's pushing his agenda. And you have that, uh, that, that idiot clip that they play. Of course, they don't play any clip of what the president said in Dallas when those cops were shot down after he had spent some months trashing police officers. That never comes up. Never comes up. Well, here's a montage for you from our friends at Newsbusters of ABC, NBC, CBS. Trump lashes out on Twitter against Beto while touting Beto at the same time. Cut nine, go. President Trump lashes out overnight, targeting Democratic candidate Beto O'Rourke before heading to Beto's hometown, El Paso, this morning. Hours ahead of his trip to the border town of El Paso, Texas, President Trump lashing out at former Congressman Beto O'Rourke, a staunch critic of the president and one of the most high-profile members of this grieving community. The president tweeting O'Rourke has a phony name to indicate Hispanic heritage, telling the 2020 Democratic candidate to be quiet. O'Rourke firing back in a tweet of his own, saying, 22 people in my hometown are dead after an act of terror inspired by your racism. El Paso will not be quiet, and neither will I. New overnight, President Trump, just hours before he's expected to honor the victims in El Paso, took to Twitter to mock Beto O'Rourke. President Trump calling Beto a phony name to indicate Hispanic heritage. O'Rourke hitting back at the president, writing, 22 people in my hometown are dead after an act of terror inspired by your racism. El Paso native and Democratic presidential candidate Beto O'Rourke says the president should not come visit El Paso How do we today? know he wasn't motivated by Beto O'Rourke's agenda, which they don't talk about in the rest of his manifesto, which we all could read and I read. It was linked on the Drudge Report. Radical environmentalism. A guaranteed minimum income. Anti-corporation. Isn't that part of Beto O'Rourke's agenda? So how do we know Beto O'Rourke and his rhetoric, in his propaganda, didn't trigger this mass murder? How do we know that didn't happen? Like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders with the other mass murder in Dayton, Ohio. Or the killer, the would-be killer, at the baseball field in Alexandria, Virginia. The Bernie Sanders supporter. How about all that, you jackasses? You make me sick to my stomach. You talk about toning down and divisiveness and racism. You created AOC, a bigot. You created Omar, a bigot. You created Talib, a bigot. You defended them. You promoted them. Women of color, anybody who criticized them. You must be attacking women of color. You lied about Trump's tweet. With Elijah coming in Baltimore. You turned that into a racist screed when it wasn't a racist screed. 
you've turned Charlottesville and his comments on a racist screed. Well, that wasn't a racist screed. This on top of the phony Russian collusion. This on top of the phony Russian obstruction investigation. That we're in a constitutional crisis. That he needs to be impeached. Spies are put in his damn campaign. They don't even report it. The FISA courts are lied to, and they could care less. The head of the FBI is leaking. The number two in the FBI is leaking. The number three, the general counsel of the FBI is leaking. But of course the reporters defend them, because they're leaking to the reporters. Damn it, I've never seen anything like this in my life. I'll be back. Mark Levin. running for president of the United States. Men of the people. Representing minorities, of course. Have any of them said anything about the slaughter in Chicago over the weekend? Over 50 people shot, seven murdered? Have they said anything? Have they given a speech about that? No, because it doesn't fit the narrative. Where's Don Lemon been? Where's Al Sharpton? Where's Jake Tapper, Mr. Gun Control Inc.? Where are all of them? Do black lives matter? That's where most of the murders taking place. Everybody knows it. Particularly the the people who are terrified who live on these streets. You have absolute mayhem. President of the United States is attacked for pointing it out in Baltimore. You're not allowed to point it out. And these frauds. Cory Booker doesn't represent minorities in this country. Kamala Harris either. Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden. We got to get the black vote and the Hispanic vote. Well, tell me. Tell me. They can't even comment? criticize what took place in Chicago? How are they going to stop this kind of mayhem? Gun control? Well, they have gun control in that city, damn it. Well, what else are you going to do? They're going to do nothing. Obama did nothing. Nothing. There were more mass murders under Obama than there were under his predecessors. Why? Was he a racist? And as I said last night, if Beto O'Rourke is right, and he is a sickening fool that Donald Trump brought this about, then why do we need gun control? Why do we need a red flag law? Why do we need to increase the age to own a weapon? Right? Just impeach Trump. It'll all go away. Just elect another liberal. Maybe like Kamala Harris. Then it'll all go away, you know, like when we elected Barack Obama. Didn't it disappear? Frauds, fakes, liars, contemptible demagogues. They don't care about the little people. They haven't even stopped talking to think about the people who were slaughtered. As soon as they heard about El Paso and Dayton, 
They thought about how do we hook in Trump on this? How do we hook in Trump? And you knew they were going to. Sick. They're all sick bastards. Media especially. Wouldn't it be nice if search engines and social media sites were unbiased platforms that didn't choose a side politically? Well, keep dreaming. In 2016, the tech elites at Google bragged about donating millions of dollars to Hillary's campaign. These big tech companies that restrict the free speech rights of conservatives are the very same corporations we're trusting to handle our personal data online. Now, I don't want them using my web history or video searches against me. Do you? That's one of the reasons I use ExpressVPN every time I go online. When I use ExpressVPN, these tech companies, well, they can't see my IP address at all. My identity is masked and made anonymous. Plus, ExpressVPN has the added benefit of encrypting 100% of your data to keep you safe from hackers and Internet bad guys. And also, former uh, senior FBI officials. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash mark. That's expressvpn.com slash mark for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash mark to learn more. Jim, Sanford, Florida, on the Mark Levin app. Go right ahead, sir. Yes, sir, Jim. Hello, uh, Jim. Uh, it's your turn, uh, Jim. All right, let's move on. My buddy Lou, Milford, Connecticut, the great WABC. Go right ahead. My radio hero, as you know, uh, getting a pistol permit, particularly in an urban setting, is a difficult thing to do because there are all sorts of extra res- restrictions. Couple that with the increased costs of obtaining the permit, make it prohibitive for many black and brown people in these urban environments and it's subject subjected to the whim of the local authority the police uh, chief or sheriff now if you manage to get a permit and you want to follow the law with one of these red flag scenarios that they're proposing it'll be extremely cost prohibitive mark for the average Joe to fight this, because it'll be a $2,500, $5,000 appearance before a firearms review board, and who knows what will happen. More subjectivity, more government, and this is nothing more than the path to confiscation. And none of it would have stopped anything that we've seen. You know, you're, you're a Connecticut. That barbarian who went into that elementary school and shot it up. He stole the weapons from his mother. Tell me, what law is going to stop that? And killed her first. Mattress. Kill, executes her, then goes into that elementary school. So Mark, there was, there, there's, there's no law involved there. He was under the care of a Yale psychiatrist. It wasn't Bandy mm-hmm. Lee. It was another one. But, but yeah, right. the kid had mental health issues, severe mental health issues. Put green garbage bags on his windows. Put his laundry outside the door. Texted his mother from within the house. Uh, you know, she was culpable, obviously. But these are very bad scenarios, and they are so infinitesimal when you compare the total population of the United States. You know, but humans are humans. And this is one of my points here I just made, which is 
Those who were slaughtered in Chicago over the weekend, they get almost no attention. Almost no attention. All right, Lou, thanks for your call, buddy. We'll be right back. Apologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. Perry Mason. Now, half of you don't know what I'm talking about. It's all right. We're never going to save this country as long as virtually every major news outlet is packed with left-wing ideologues pretending to be journalists. No one supports the First Amendment more than I do. But how does a free press advance liberty if it's a wholly owned subsidiary of the Democratic Party? Or vice versa. That's pretty much what we have today. We know this because the media have lined up behind every socialist idea that's been proposed by the left. So-called Medicare for all, free college tuition, open borders, higher minimum wage, higher taxes, green new deals, and on and on. Now, they love these ideas. You might say the media loves socialism. That's exactly what the MRC's new bumper sticker says. The media loves socialism. This is the best one yet, don't you think? And you can get one of them for free by going to mrcsticker.com right now. Most of the media won't admit out loud that they support socialism, but they love everything about it, so we need to expose them, and that's what the Media Research Center does every day. It's a tremendous group led by a tremendous leader, Brent Bozell. So let's help them out. Just go to mrcsticker.com right now, and they'll send you a free bumper sticker that says what we all know to be true. The media loves socialism. That's mrcsticker.com. Thank goodness for the Media Research Center. Ain't no doubt about that. Let's continue, shall we? Tom, Boston, Massachusetts, XM Satellite, go. Hey, Mark, how are you? It's a pleasure. All right, thank you. Pleasure and honor to talk to you. I just wanted to say that the underlying, my thought on this for the last several days is that the under, the uh, common denominator in all these shootings are angry young men. And I would tell you that my own son, who's in college now, would come back from high school, a high school of 2,000 people, several years ago during the Obama years, and he would tell me that they make him feel bad for being white. White Mm -hmm. boys in high school around the country are being taught that it's their fault. All of what ails this country is their fault. And when our our kids were younger, in in their elementary school, they, they just had friends from all over the world, and they were all friends, and they all got along well. And when they got to the high school, the high school divides them up by the color of their skin. There are African-American clubs. There are Asian-American scholars clubs. There are Latin-American scholars clubs. Is there a Caucasian club? No, of course not. So the kids now look at themselves differently. It it creates resentment. It creates bitterness. It creates anger. And I would argue that schools today are partially, if not a lot, to blame for the shooting. I I agree. I agree. This is going to be my next focus on academia, quite frankly. Do you think it's worth my doing that, Tom? Absolutely. It's, uh, I, I think we have to take back academic. You know, Obviously, the colleges are bad, but I'm telling you, at the high school level, mm-hmm. they, you know, Martin Luther King, we have Martin Luther King days, we have schools, we have roads, we have rooms, auditoriums. 
but he would be very disappointed in what's going on in schools today. I would hope so. Well, listen, I'm going to send you a signed copy of Unfreedom of the Press, and I much appreciate it. Much appreciate it. I try to use this program, my Fox show, my other platforms, certainly my books, to try and counter some of this. To try and counter some of this. When you go on Amazon and see the various books I've written, there's one called Plunder and Deceit that is really written for young people. That's, what's that, three books ago. So I try to, you know, talk about the general philosophical and principled points and, and also try and break it down into parts. I just think unfreedom of the press regarding what's going on with the media today is, is vitally important. It's vitally important to be able to unravel this. When you hear me behind the microphone or you see me on Fox or on Levin TV talking about these things, that and a thousand more points are made in unfreedom of the press. I'm convinced that's why... It really has become the number one uh, go-to book on the press. It's the number one conservative book in America and the number one Simon & Schuster book of the entire 2019 calendar year. It's because of you, and you're spreading the word, you're passing the book out, you're getting it where it needs to go. And I have to say, I'm no fan of Bezos and so forth, but I have to say, I have to thank Amazon for keeping it stocked up. They're not like undermining you like these big tech giants. They're making it available. It's available, it's there, it's well discounted. I also want to thank Barnes & Noble. The bookstore business is very, very tough right now, given that people purchase so much online. It's just the way it is. But Barnes & Noble, (coughs) excuse me, has been, I think I'm getting a little cold, has been and is terrific. And same with other smaller outlets. Uh, Books a Million has been been really, really good. Uh, I want to thank Walmart also, and there's others. I want to thank them all, but... uh, but the bulk of the sales have come from Amazon and, uh, and Barnes and & Noble. And uh, you should continue, I think, to go to those other stores as well and those other outlets. Absolutely, certainly. But, uh, but I want to thank uh, all, those, all those folks. I mean, Amazon has kept a huge inventory, which is why they're able to discount it as they do, as has Barnes & Noble. And I say the others too, but these two in particular. And Costco has wound down as they do. They wind down after a while and they put new books in. That's their policy. But uh, many, many books were sold there too. Brian, Los Angeles, California, XM Satellite. Go. Yeah, hi, Mark. I just wanted to say that I don't think the media is doing themselves or the Democrat Party much of a favor. And here's why. Because... Their interviews with these people are not interesting. We already know what they're going to say. Kamala Harris goes on CNN, and it's like we already know they're going to lob softballs at her and smooch her behind, and that's just not interesting at all. So nobody watches it. And I think that they're basically shooting themselves in the foot. Well, I hope you're right. Because I think the demise of most of these media outlets would be a, a huge benefit for our republic, uh, for the for the people. Uh, I think there'll be other outlets, other platforms that are and will replace them. More competition uh, as technology grows and advances. Uh, but I think uh, CNN and MSNBC do an enormous disservice to the country. I think they're breeding hate and uh, 
and instilling violence with Antifa and so forth. I really do. They can trash Fox all they want. I don't see that at Fox. But I see the kinds of guests, the kinds of propaganda and rhetoric. Uh, they cherry-pick the most outrageous people. Look at this guy, Donnie Deutsch, or Douche as the Sephardic. Look at him. I mean, this guy is, a, is, 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 is uh, uh, an, an individual who is almost begging for violence, in my humble opinion. Uh, and uh, Scarborough. Scarborough is the ringleader. He has a personal peeve with the President of the United States. And so uh, let's move on here. Let's go to Jerry, Atlanta, Georgia, on the Mark Levin app. We're going to have a very nice announcement about Atlanta, Georgia soon, uh, and a radio station will be on. Go right ahead. Great, Mark. Well, you got a lot of loyal Levinites down here in Atlanta, so I'm glad to hear that. And you write Thank that you, book Jerry. Education. I will be right in line to buy the first five, six copies. Your books are Whoa. incredible. Yeah, well, so, thanks, buddy. My question, or not my question, my comment real quick is is this. Uh, Rahm Emanuel said back in 2008, uh, never let a good crisis go to waste. Mm-hmm. And you can just see how low the media and these liberals have sunk now, that now they're basically saying we're not going to let innocent blood go to waste. They mm-hmm. have taken this whole thing, and just it just shows you how low they will sink and do whatever it takes to get their agenda and get their get their their points across, and, and it, 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 it's sickening, but it's just it's incredible what they do. And I guess for the next year and a half, we're going to hear that Trump is a racist, 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 and they, they really are trying to wear us down. They're really trying to wear him down, you know? Well, here's the other thing, Mark. Um, Cory Booker said this last week. He goes, Trump's worse than a racist, and I think they've learned now that this, this term's been bantered around so much that it's so watered down that he said he's, he, Trump's worse than a racist. And so now you're starting to see the term white supremacist come out now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible, yeah, and they're going to do everything they can. And I'm glad at least Trump is aware of who he's up against and knows these people are not your friends and they're not going to do anything to help you. But work. the Republicans are running. They want to do a gun control, red flag. you got guys who had hard-fought but, sh- but very close victories in Texas and elsewhere now retiring because they don't want to end on a, their careers on a loss. Uh, the, the Republicans really are, as a group, cowards. They really are. And, you know, i got to say this about Mitch McConnell. I can't stand the guy, all right? But the things they've tried to do to him and what they did to him the other day, you got to admit, that guy's got a backbone. He does. That, he does. that old guy, he's got a backbone. I, I don't like him, but he's got a backbone. Then I see all these younger guys, they're leaving, they're, they're, they're bailing and so forth. One of the reasons the Democrats won so many seats in the midterm election is you had like 40 Republican retirements. Yeah. No, Don't exactly. they care about the country? They ran for office, for God's sakes. We need them another two or four years in order to stop the Democrats, but they can't even do that. Yeah, no, I agree. It, 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 you're right, and I hope they're, they're seeing this out there, and we've got a couple local um, races here next year that that couple candidates already, I think, they're going to, they see this, and I think they're going to, it's going to be, a, I'll say, a new generation, but a, a new wave of thinking of terms of, you know what, this, this is, quote, a war and, and a fight for this country, and this is not about compromise and not about reaching across the aisle. This is a fight about principles, and this You're is right. what we stand for. So hopefully we'll see that across the country um, besides just here locally. Thanks, Jerry. Don't hang up. I want to send you a signed copy of uh, the Week 11 New York Times bestseller which they hate, which we love, on Freedom of the Press. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
know, folks, it's no longer shocking at this point, but guess what? Bureaucrats at the Department of Health and Human Services are trying to borrow another one of crackpot socialist Bernie Sanders' health care ideas. I can't sing a, see a thing wrong with that, can you? Other than it might actually make you very, very sick, may not give you access to the kind of care and, and technology and pharmaceuticals you need. Other than that, it's perfect. Now, following Sanders' lead, HHS has proposed a program to allow states to import some prescription drugs from Canada, and frankly, God knows where else. So let's start with the fact that none of these states, let alone Canada or other countries, have any systems in place to determine if the drugs coming into the U.S. are what the labels say they are, or where they're from, China, India, etc., or who made them. So there's zero ability to know if you're taking it remotely, Safely. Canadian officials have been very clear about their safety concerns, saying that counterfeit drugs are already a major global problem that may lead to many, many illnesses, potentially even death. There's a lot of things really, really wrong with our healthcare system. But fortunately, drug safety is not one of them. Drug importation is dangerous. And it's just shocking that leaders in the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services would even consider such a harebrained idea. And this is not the Obama administration. So, folks, get the facts. Go to TrueHealthCareFacts.com. TrueHealthCareFacts.com. That's TrueHealthCareFacts.com. You know, there's a lot of other news, but I just can't get to it right now. But here's one from CNN. This is what they're tweeting out. <clears throat> Excuse me. The U.S. Maritime Administration has issued a new warning to commercial vessels about Iranian threats in the Strait of Hormuz, that is the Gulf, saying ships have had their GPS interfered with and that there have been reports of unknown entities falsely claiming to be U.S. or coalition warships. Vessels have reported GPS interference, bridge-to-bridge communication spoofing, and or other communications jamming with little to no warning. And the U.S. remains committed to working with allies and regional partners to safeguard the freedom of... What the hell is this? This is now a terrorist nation that's gone pirate. They're interfering with one of the most important navigable areas on the high seas and even on the high seas. Now I'm going to give you the Levin answer, okay? Blow one of their damn ships out of the water. That's right, I said it. Can't keep putting up with this two-bit, third-world, throwback regime. Taking uh, oil tankers out of commission. Kidnapping uh, uh, sailors. Threatening the United States. What do you do with a bully, ladies and gentlemen? You punch him in the nose. Well, Mark, we don't want war. But they do. And the way you prevent war is preventing things like this. Why we want to negotiate with them? You don't negotiate with everybody. A terrorist nation that's pirating ships? What's to negotiate? What's to negotiate? Sometimes a bully just needs to be popped right between the eyes. And the Israelis do it every damn week to these guys. The Reagan administration, let them have it, destroyed almost half their navy. We sit here, well, you know, uh, uh, we can't fight wars forever. We can't fight wars forever, Mark. 
That is the dumbest line I've ever heard. What have I said about that? We're not looking to fight wars forever. The enemy's looking to fight us. They're different enemies, different tactics, different time frames. What are you going to do, put your head in the sand? Since when did we all become left-wing kooks? A U.S. official told Barbara Starr CNN that Iran has placed GPS cameras on Iran-controlled Abu Masa Island, which lies close to the entrance of the Strait of Hormuz. Well, there's a good target right there. Right there. Mark, you must be a dual citizen with Israel and America. I get this all the time. You know, Mark, uh, you must be a warmonger, a chicken hawk. How many wars have you fought, Mark? How many wars have I fought? Well, my family has fought in many wars. But what does that have to do with anything? The vast majority of the nation does not sign up for the military. And we're trying to protect our country. We're trying to protect our rights. Not just here at home, but overseas. And things get bigger and bigger and problems get bigger and bigger. It's like cancer. You want to try and address it or not? You definitely want to fight it. Because one day it's going to overtake you. Some people believe appeasement is a policy. 